Have you ever had one of those times in your life when it seemed like you just could not hear from God? Have you ever had a time in your life when you felt like you had been walking with God and then you realized that time had expired and uh, something had happened in your walk? You're not exactly sure what had happened, but you know that something had happened. And so you wonder, Lord, what's happening in my life? God, what have I done? And what have I, what have I not done? Whenever you come to one of those points in your life, it can be a very frustrating period. There's people in the Old Testament that lived and they were at a time of their life when they thought things were good and suddenly they began to realize that they were not at all good. They had been involved in worship. They had been involved in obedience to the law. And everything on the outside tended to look very normal. But there had been a hollow period of time where they'd begin to ask God questions and call upon Him And they could hear nothing in return. This time began to be protracted. And here in this book of Isaiah, we begin to see the messenger of God speaking to the people of Israel. Into a vacuum when there's silence to the land. People feel empty. Have you ever felt empty in your life? And then there comes a resounding response In the book of Isaiah, a phrase, a few verses that I believe is the theme of this book that is an overpowering answer to the people of God. I'm not going to put it on the screen. I'm not going to tell you the chapter and verse. I don't want you to read ahead. I'm going to read it one section at a time. I want you to hear what the Lord God says to His people that have been asking and searching and begging for Him to speak into their life and to move in their favor. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where then is there a house that you could build for me? Where is there a place that I might rest? Thus saith the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is there a house that you could build for me? And where is there a place that I may rest? Shouts the Lord God, the creator of the universe. Why would God answer the heart of His people with a declaration about His throne and His footstool? It at first is one of the most bizarre and nonsensical statements in Scripture replying to a people with an answer that seems not to be an answer at all. But it is indeed The answer when you understand the heart of God. 
Let's talk about the throne of God. The throne of God. Heaven is my throne. In the mind of a Hebrew, heaven was everything outside the known earth. Anything beyond what you can see. Everything that transpires beyond human ability to observe. And so let's talk for a minute about exactly what God is saying. We know that the earth is a planet that spins around a sun in a solar system of multiple planets. We know that this solar system, this solar system is joined together with other solar systems in the Milky Way to form a galaxy. And we know that a galaxy is a massive, gravitationally bound systems of stars and solar systems and interstellar gases and dust combined with dark matter. And in that Milky Way we rest. We know that galaxies are sometimes dwarfed, very small, only 10 million stars. And sometimes galaxies are giants that are very large, a hundred trillion stars in a galaxy like our Milky Way. You got a handle on that. You and I are on this little rock of earth spinning around this other little rock far out in trillions and zillions of light years in space. And there we're going around with other little solar systems in, in this galaxy and there's another galaxy. We know that the speed of light travels at um, 5,878,625 trillion miles per second. Light is spectacular in terms of its ability and rate to be transferred. We know that according to science today, the circumference of the Milky Way is about a hundred thousand light years and if a light year is around six trillion and this is 100,000 times six trillion that is the Milky Way circumference the Milky Way is one small galaxy in a universe that is massive and this massive universe made up of all these solar systems and galaxies and planets of which this infinitesimal small little piece of a rock spinning around this burning rock, the sun, our earth, we're upon, and God says, my throne is the heavens. Everything beyond the earth that exists is the throne of God. The universe is all space and time and all that exists all galaxies, all interstellar space. It's all the observable universe, about 46 billion light years in radius. A light year being 6 trillion. Can you imagine? God speaks to the people of Israel, struggling in their walk. And He says, Thus saith the Lord, Heaven! is my throne. Heaven is my throne. The place where I sit. Not the thing I'm inside of. No. The thing, this small thing that I'm upon, transcendent beyond, and it's below me. 
Heaven is my throne. All these things. Wow. We know that the nearest spiral galaxy to us, the second galaxy, the spiral galaxy, is 2.5 million light years from us. And there's billions of galaxies. What is God saying? Let me ask you this question. What can a throne do? What can a throne do? It can do only two things. It can magnify and glorify the position, the power, and the title of he who sits upon it. And it can magnify the creative capacity of the one who made it. And when we, Tracy and I and the kids travel through Europe and England and we looked at the thrones of France and in Britain, there set thrones upon which great rulers had reigned. And that throne could magnify that ruler and his title and position. And it could also glorify the masterful creator and artisan. But ladies and gentlemen, the God of creation is the creator of his own throne. And it both magnifies his ability and his reign. And there is no other glory to come from his throne. God tells the struggling people, heaven is my throne. And then he says, the earth is my footstool. How many of you men have a recliner? Yeah, there you go. How many of y'all have an ottoman or a footstool in your house? Yeah, my wife will not let me have a recliner in our living room. We've been married 32 years. I beg for a recliner. She will not allow me to have a recliner in my living room. Some of you know this about my wife. She hates recliners. So we have an ottoman this long in my house. And this wide in my house, in front of an L-shaped couch. And when I sit down, when I sit down on my recliner, and I mean on my L-shaped couch, see, I want one so bad. And I put my feet up on the ottoman and I rest back. That ottoman is dead center of my focus and the object of my great affection. Because I don't have a recliner. And God says, heaven is my throne. And the earth is conspicuously in front of me to be observed. And I have great affection for it. Heaven, this massive universe. Heaven, this massive universe. 46 billion light years in circumference. Is His throne and the earth, this tiny speck, is the object of His direct focus. Of all the planets, of all the solar systems, galaxies in the universe, God Himself has chosen the earth to be His footstool, His focus, His place of affection. Everything that is anywhere outside of the earth's atmosphere is His dwelling, His throne. Earth itself is His footstool. The magnitude of God's existence can only be expressed by the object of His own creation or doing because no object has ever been made without His creation and no doing has ever been done that He did not empower, enable, or release unto itself. You say that again. 
the magnitude of God's existence can only be expressed and be glorified by the objects of His own creation or His own doing because no object has ever been made without His creation and no doing has ever been done that He did not empower, enable, or release unto itself or its orbit or its life. All of existence is set upon and the earth is the footstool and the center smaller than the throne but conspicuous in the focus of God. But still, Wade, what does this mean to this people? And what does this mean? This is a grand picture of the power of God. But how does this apply? A throne exists to serve the one upon whom or who rests upon it. A throne exists. Specifically for the use of the one who rests upon it. The throne can do nothing except glorify the creator or the one who sits upon it. A throne has no independence. It, ha- it reveals no power, but it does show authority. A throne has a single user. It reveals power, dimension, duration of nature, and a singular use. So the earth is His focus. All created things glorify Him because He has made them and they magnify Him. Why is He telling God's people? Why is He telling God's people? Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Let's read on. He said next, where then is there a house that you could build for me? Where is a house that you could build for God? He begins to get to the heart of the matter. Oh, people of God. If, if heaven, all created things, 64, what was it? Billion? I forgot. 64 billion light years of creation, all the universes out there, is the thing that he sits on, not the thing that he's within and is contained by. If 46 billion light years in circumference is the thing that magnifies him, and he's above it and transcendent beyond it, how could they How could you and I build him a a home? The point that God's making is this. Humanity can not do anything for me that I cannot do for myself. And they cannot do anything for me in a meaningful way because they are inexplicably tiny in all creation And the best that man could ever do, even if he was righteous and holy, is such a small thing in comparison to who I am, that I do not have to have you. I do not need you to serve me. I do not need you for my own survival or for my own existence. I do not need you to supply me with anything. 
Where is there a house that you can build for? You are totally incompetent to impress God. Some of you had very strict parents. And you live under the weight of all this law, of all the things you must do to please God. And you're constantly frustrated at your failure. And you're beaten down. You don't understand grace and forgiveness. And though God does not license us to sin, though He's not pleased when we sin, and though He does not want us to sin, and though when we do sin, it grieves His heart. The purpose of walking with God is not to sin. It is to love and glorify Him. Listen, I want to set you free today. If you're living under the weight of the law, you cannot build a house for God. You don't have the, the capacity to impress the God of creation. You're like, man, that's kind of depressing. I really, man, wait, I really wanted to oppress God. I really tried to oppress God. I want to be the friend of God. And now you're telling me I can't impress God. Oh, wow. He's just so big and so powerful and so holy. I'll just go eat dirt. You can't impress God. And then you're like, well, where's the fun in that? I want to impress God. I love God. He died for me. I want to impress. What can I do for God? I love Him. He changed my life and my family. Woohoo! great. You're not going to impress Him. Well, then how do I love Him, Wade? How do I show my affection to this great God? Not only does He say, where is the house that you could build for me? He said, Where's the place that I may rest? Where is the place that I may rest? God is so big. Listen listen to this. If God created all things, and, and by the Lord Jesus, by Him and through Him, all things were created, and by Jesus, on magnetism, all things hold together, we know by the Word. So if the Lord holds all things together, and He created all things, is there nothing made that was not made by Him, as Scripture says? When can he rest? We sleep, but the sun's going around the world. There's people with needs all the time. God never rests. He rested from his creation, but he does not rest from his interaction. And the Lord's like, not only can you not build me a place, I'm too busy to rest. No place for me to rest. I cannot truly rest. Why? Because humanity needs a sovereign, holy, almighty, righteous, loving, just God. And without Him, this world would be a catastrophe of magnitude, of of proportions that we cannot even imagine. Thus saith the Lord, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is there a house you could build for me? And where is a place that I might rest? For my hands have made these things. My hands have made these things. All these things. And thus all these things came into being. Not only did I build it and make it, but I created all the pieces and parts. So I had it to put it together. God is not just the architect and the engineer, but He is the creator to bring things from nothing. Ex nihilo in the Hebrew language. 
So then the question comes to us. The question comes to us. What can we do? These things before God are tiny. The U.S. Constitution has lasted longer than any constitution in the history of the world. Did you know that? It will collapse if the Lord doesn't come back. It will not sustain itself. It's being revised now in a way that is going to destroy it. But it is the longest lasting constitution. It's impressive in and of itself. But God is not impressed by the U.S. Constitution. Apple Computer is nothing. It's laughable to the Lord God. <laughs> it's so tiny, so frail, that system. The Internet is a joke. I mean, it, compared to the mind of God and His ability, it is nothing. It is vapor. It is like a cobweb in the corner of your garage. It's so meaningless to God. The pyramids, Coca-Cola, tiny, infinitesimal, disappearing things in history. The U.S. military, he could just, and it's gone. <laughs> no military. God is a great and a powerful God. He could take every nuclear weapon in the world, put it in his nose, and it disappears with no power. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house you could build for me? Where is the place that I could rest? For I've created all these things. I've made all these things. I've put them all together. Do you feel really small right now? Here we are on this little rock flying through space. Can you just imagine it out there? Think about it. We're on this earth. Imagine Google Earth. See the earth? Now put yourself down on it. Now shrink it real small. And then let it fly around in a little solar system with our planets around the sun. All right? Now create about a billion of those together. And that's a, that's a Milky Way. And then create, you know, scant number of those. A terrible number of those giants and dwarfs. And then there's the universe. And we're down inside of it. And God knows you by name. And he knows what you did yesterday. Wait. What's God telling these people? Oh, listen. Listen to the next verse. This is Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2. I'm going to read the second half of 2. But, isn't that great? I love it when there's a but in Scripture. It's either going to be awesome or terrible normally. What is God going to say to us? What's the Lord about to tell you right now, this great and mighty God, who you cannot impress? What's He going to tell you? He's about to tell you something. And here it is. But, to this one, I will look. Wait! There's somebody that's going to get God's attention. Here it comes. Don't you want to know what it is? To this one, to this one, I will look. Look means to cast his focus. To this one, I will look to show favor, to grant relationship and empowerment and grace. To this one, I will look to him who is humble, contrite of spirit, and who trembles. At my word. 
The only person in all creation that God intimately focuses on to fellowship with is one kind of person and one kind only. To him who is humble is of a broken, contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Wow. Well, if that's the kind of person God looks at, we need to know what that means. Let me help you with that. In the Hebrew language, that first word for humble, ani, that first word for humble uh, means socially at the bottom of the stack, as low as you can go, the lowest place in light of God. In other words, if we had 50 encyclopedias stacked up here, if we had 2,000 magazines stacked up here, the shred of a fragment of paper underneath the bottom book or magazine would be that word. It says possibly as low as you could ever go, as hard as you, as low as you can go. When you go there, that's when God looks upon you with tender favor. That's that word, Hebrew word. Hani, humble. As low as you can go. The very last thing in the stack. Wow. Second word. Neke. It is a broken, a humble spirit. It's, it really means in the Hebrew language to be lamed or crippled in spirit. Broken, unable with inability in yourself. Needy, acknowledging help from something greater. Absolutely beyond any internal capacity to achieve or accomplish, to move or to go. It is that shattered word. It's like I took a piece of fine china. And I dropped it on this concrete. That is that second word. Broken. So we have as low as you can go. As shattered as you can be. And who trembles at my word. That is a, that's a concept of incredible reverence. An absolute internal high anxiety to offend or disobey. An incredible love. A, such a deep respect and affection for this person that it would be unfathomable to do anything beyond their desire or their wish. Man, when Tracy and I was dating, all the things that I did because I loved her. Wow. Didn't matter what she asked for. I'm on it. Because I love her. You ever been there? If you haven't, you will be one day. Man, I'm going to tell you. And with the Lord God, that word to tremble at his word means when he speaks, you're already trying to, uh, trying to accomplish how you can do exactly what he wants done. To make sure you don't break fellowship and lose your intimacy with the one you have affection for. So just imagine that first word for humble, the lowest you can go. Imagine a huge, anybody ever been to Africa? You ever seen a, yeah, there you go. Have you seen a rhinoceros? They're impressive, right? They're massive. Okay, imagine this huge rhinoceros stomping through the bush. And there is a tiny little ant. A tiny little ant. When we see God, we need that kind of humility. That second word, broken and shattered. Imagine, who likes NASCAR? Huh? Oh, Bubba. Who won the sprint, sprint series last night? Oh, Okay. Bubba, if you could ride in any car you wanted to ride in and drive it in a race, whose car would you want to drive? 
Mark Martin. Okay. So just imagine, if, if somebody got to get in Mark Martin's car and actually race in the Daytona 500 or, or at Talladega, one of the two, and they put him, they strapped him in the seat, and they buckled him in, and the race was about to start, <clears throat> except they had broken ankles, broken toes, broken feet, broken knees, broken hips, broken shoulders, and broken elbows, and broken fingers. And they were totally incapable of moving anything in any meaningful way. They've got muscles, they can move around, but nothing. That's a picture of the neediness, the brokenness. I've got, I'm here, I'm in this world, I've got a body, I've got capacity. But God, without you, I can do nothing in any real, meaningful, significant way. It's that absolute point of comprehension of your neediness for God. So we've got the little ant humility. We've got the race car driver with, with inability. And then the last word we've got is the word for uh, hot red, that trembling, longing to obey. Imagine, imagine who's been to Alaska. Anybody been to Alaska? Has anybody seen a grizzly bear stuffed? Imagine if, if you're on the ground and there's a grizzly bear over you. You know, a grizzly bear is huge, powerful. Uh, amazing strength, and you're in an embryonic stage, crawled up in a ball, hoping this bear didn't attack you, and and you're and that bear is leaning over, and you can feel the breath on your neck and the slobber dripping down your chin and on your ear, and this huge grizzly bear is right there. Imagine you're there. Incredible power, the ability in a moment to absolutely destroy you, make your life miserable. And you're the cub of that bear. So there's a love relationship, but there's an overwhelming sense of dread and obedience. At the same time, affection. And you're the little grizzly. And the mama grizzly is right on top of you. Oh, if we knew, the psalmist said all the time, or the, the prophet said all the time that God said, you, you do these things and you sin before me because he sees all things. So to who will God look? To who can get his affection? This God of the universe, this magnificent sitting on this glorious throne that both glorifies him and his creation with this earth, this planet with humans sitting out in front, this object of his direction and focus. And he is looking. Scripture says, for the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro the earth. The eyes of the Lord range to and fro the earth. And he's doing that today in this congregation. The eyes of the Lord range to and fro the earth, looking, so that He may strongly support those whose hearts are completely His. So He can strongly support those whose hearts are completely His. How do you have a heart that's completely His, first of all? You go as low as you can possibly go. In the presence of God Almighty, you realize that you are a created thing. That you are totally at His mercy. That your life is not about what you want to do in your job, in your way. It's when you abandon your rights. It's when you don't press your way with your family or your co-worker. It's when you're not a hog or a boss to people. It's when you're absolutely shallow, emptied out. You're, you're totally void of your own pride and ego. And you have fallen before God in a place that there is no lower point of, of submission and humility and deference that you can go. 
And so here you are, as low as you can go. The second word to know that you can focus on him and have a relationship is to be as broken and as shattered as you can be. It's an absolute tender-hearted, not pitiful, not sad, but just a joyful, happy recognition that, God, I can't do this. I can't figure it out. I, I can't do, raise this family on my own. I can't provide for my family on my own. I can't teach them what I need to do. God, I'm, you got to help me. you got to fill me. I'm, I'm yielded, Lord. Put your spirit in me. God, give me your word. Lord, what's the next step? What do I do? Where do I go? Lord, without you, I don't want to do anything. That's that second word for as broken or as shattered as you can be. And then if you want to be the object of his fellowship and you want to have that close communion with God, you need to be someone who when they're reading the word, reading the word is no less hearing from God than if he ripped the top of this building open and shouted from heaven at a hundred decibels in a way that would make our hair stand upon end. When you have read the word, you have experienced God. It is his breath. It is his voice. And so to tremble at his word is when you read and you don't find things that, you don't try to find things to justify what you want to do. You openly read the word to let him speak directly to you about what he wants to do in and through you. It's when you see and he speaks and you're like, oh man, that's going to be painful. You're not finding ways not to do it. You just surrender because you, you are terrified at the possibility that you could lose your affection and your communion, and your laughter and joy with your Creator, Sustainer, Holy, died on a cross in Jesus Christ God. It's when the Word rules your life, not because it is, a, it is a stick to beat you with, because it's the person who loves you the most, giving you direction to keep you out of harm's way and in the middle of His will to expand His kingdom and to grant you joy in your life. Wow. But to this one, I will look. It's when you go as low as you can go. That's whoever he chooses. It's to get seriously desperate. It's however you act. It's to get passionate to obey. It's whatever and whenever you do. It's being low, being empty, being wide-eyed like a little child. It's to be flat. First of all, humble. It's to be opened up to know you're needy. It's to be respectful to do what you're told. To be flat is your perspective. To be open is your provision. And to be respectful is to please. It has to do with your assets, your ability, and your obedience. Being flat and humble is the way you see yourself or the way He sees you. Being broken is disregard for own your prideful ability and experience. And trembling is the hunger for a relationship to hear from Him. You have to say, I am created. I have a purpose. I have direction. Isaiah 57, 15 says this, I dwell, God said, I dwell in a high and holy place. The throne. And with he who is of a contrite and broken spirit. Isaiah 57 opened this discussion. If you read from 57 all the way to 66, you'll hear the people saying, Oh God! Oh God, we're like people that don't even have a God anymore. Oh God, where is your power? Where is your, your mercy? Where are the acts you've done in the past? 
Oh God, why will you not move? We call and you don't answer. We fast and you don't respond. And God responds. God responds and says, You fast, but you fast for what you want, not for what I want. You fast and you worship, but not to obey. It's to accomplish your own will and to get the stuff you need or desire. Finally, the prophet Isaiah said, Oh God, rend the heavens, rip the heavens apart and come down that we might see your mighty works of old so the nations would tremble at your name. Just like a boiling pot or fire exploding, God, come down and manifest yourself. Lord, we have sinned. We know we have sinned for a long time. But oh God, your mercy is powerful. God, respond to us. Respond to us. The people cry out, Oh God. When we call, you don't answer. And God's response is this. Thus saith the Lord. I dwell. Excuse me. Heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is there a house you can build for me? You can't impress me. Where can I rest? I'm never walking away. Isaiah said, my, my hand is not so short that I can't save and my ears so dull that I can't hear, but your sins have separated you from God. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where's a house you can make for me? Where's a place I can rest? For I've created all these things, I've made them. Ladies and gentlemen, but here's the good news today. God Himself, Creator of the universe has given you the key to know how to have favor and relationship with Him. To this one I will look. To He who is humble, as low as He can go. Of a contrite and broken spirit, as shattered and as needy and as honest as He can be about His need. And who trembles at my word. Who respects me and desires and adores me so as to not affect our relationship and disrespect my direction because I love you and know best. You're here today. You may not know Jesus as your Savior. You have sin in your life. That sin will damn you to a burning hell. Man, I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you. The Lord Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth as a perfect man and died for you. He bled on a cross and was raised the third day, and he's in heaven waiting to come back and take us with him. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, you need salvation. You can't save yourself. You can't impress God. You can't be good enough or righteous enough. If you think you can, you're wrong. The only thing you can do is come here and be humble and broken and accept God's word and surrender your life and let the Lord forgive you and make you a new heart. You can't make it on your own, but you'll be born again. He'll put a new heart you got a heart of stone right now, but he'll give you a heart of flesh that can hear him. So if you're lost today and you're here, this is for you. Hey, if you're here today and it's been a few months and you're not hearing from God and, and you've heard from God in the past and things have been great, but it's like you're in a vacuum, it's quite possible that you've eked out of those three areas and you just need to say, hey, Lord, I'm flat, I'm broken, and I'm obeying. Because I want the channel of rivers flowing today. I want to be filled fresh with the Spirit of God. 
I want your power and affection on me. I want to be a vehicle so on the work, I'm on the job. Your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control are flowing out to the people around me. I want to be a mom who in the home. I'm not arguing, backbiting, nagging. I'm not complaining all the time. The Holy Spirit is doing love, joy, peace, patience. I want to be a husband who's not overbearing or lazy. I don't want to be a guy who doesn't care about his family. I don't want to make sports of God, Lord. I want to be... You in my life, I want to be low and broken and obedient. And needy. I want to be a, at school. I don't need to be the most popular. I don't need to have to worship the cliques. I don't care what people think about me, Lord. I'm going to be a, a holy person in school. Even if I'm ostracized by everybody, God, you're worth it. I'm going to go low, shattered, and obedient because I desire your love and affection more than all the peers around me that persecute me and place unrealistic burdens on me that I don't need to have to have. Just stand and pray with me. Father, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for your word. Lord, it is so powerful. God, I pray that there's people here struggling in a quagmire and they don't know why things are not where they should be. Lord, I pray that you'd let them see they're not low. They're not shattered. They're not trembling. God, if there's people here that don't know you, they come to church and they like church people, but they've just never truly surrendered to be saved. God, I pray right now, your Holy Spirit would capture them and drag them forward, Lord. And Lord, they would, they would confess that they need you as a Savior. God, I pray if there's homes that are struggling, you bring couples together. God, so that when we walk out this door, your great name, your great creation, your great love for us would overwhelm us. God, let your great name, your great glory, draw us to be broken and shattered and, and obedient. God, I pray that we would see you in your glory in this magnificent universe that you've created, on this little uh, galaxy, in this tiny solar system, on this speck of a rock flying around. Oh God, we need you. Lord, we are nothing without you. Lord Jesus, do your work. Let your spirit loose on us. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus.